Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent who dreams for their child and every child who dreams for their future, I say these words to you tonight. I am with you. I will fight for you. And I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
What a song. What a song. Happy Thursday, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sodder Show. I'm Rory Sodder, your host. It is great to be back with all of you. I have missed you all since Tuesday. We had a fantastic show on Tuesday. Perfect dialogue. Unbelievable rhythm and flow. Everything you could want in a show. Amazing guests. And, guys, we resonate so well. We've never run out of things to talk about. And it's a huge blessing. Uh, like always, I want to thank all my co-hosts, my sponsors, my audience and guests. You guys are all incredible. Um, I hope everybody's week is going very well. The weekend is approaching, which is always a great feeling. Um, you know, it's, it's always a huge relief. Uh, but it's been a busy week. There's been a lot going on in the headlines. Um, we have a lot to get to tonight, a lot to cover. Um, a lot of people on the platform, a lot of people uh, coming on as guests as well. So very, very exciting stuff. Uh, I, do, I do want to um, just, you know, uh, take a moment and, uh, you know, just as always, I mean, this is, this is an unbelievable uh, gift and, and treat and, you know, honor being able to be on air with you and shine, shine my light and utilize this platform and, and uh, speak my voice. You know, and I encourage more and more people to do this uh, because the, the mainstream media, I mean, they're so untrustworthy and they don't get, they don't discover, I mean, they don't cover and they don't address some of the most important situations and headlines. I mean, they're more focused on a witch hunt impeachment that's going nowhere. You know, there's so much stuff going on behind the scenes and that's not being reported during this whole you know, circus of impeachment. I mean, they, and that's, and it's sad because the fictional impeachment narrative is taking up all these spots on the news where, you know, actually factual productive stuff could be reported, but it's not the, it's not the world we live in. Everybody has an agenda, you know, everybody has a, um, a thing they go off of and, and what's going to make their network money. You know, it's not about telling the truth anymore. It's about writing a story that, you know, the sheep can resonate with, that people can get you know, offended by. People can find something to bitch about, especially on the left. I mean, it, you know, it's a huge problem. Um, but guys, uh, it's the last couple of days, I've been paying attention uh, to a lot of different channels and a lot of different news outlets. So I've got, I've got a lot to uh, put on the table tonight in terms of opinions and different talking points. Uh, this is going to be a busy show for sure. I do want to welcome to the show, I believe we have with us, U.S. Congressional Candidate from Maryland, Tim Baker. Tim, how are you? Hey, Rory, I'm doing well. I do have to echo that, that your platform and other platforms out there are getting out the truth and the real important stories compared to the mainstream, lamestream media, which only has their, their focus and its uh, indoctrination, and it's, it's, their day is done. Thank you for having it's a, a platform distra- like it's this. It's a distraction from what's really going on. That's what they shoved down our throats. Yep, it's, a, it's like that three-card Monty in New York. you got to pay attention to what's really going on behind the scenes and don't fall for their tricks. So, you know, I'm glad to be part of this program and, and you getting out that truth and having real people speak about the real issues going on. And it's shows like this that are going to educate and inform the, the masses of people. And we're going to take back our country. Absolutely. Amen, brother. Always a pleasure having you here. Uh, you always bring such great value and amazing insight to the show. So, a really, really a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, let's also welcome to the show. I believe he's with us. We have U.S. congressional candidate from Arizona. We have Josh Barnett. Josh, what's going on, buddy? Welcome back. 
Hello, Rory. Thanks for having me back on. It's always a great time with you. Absolutely. A lot to get into tonight. Glad you could join us. Uh, big, big topics. Yes, okay. there's tons of stuff um, going on with this set of impeachment. This is uh, going to be uh, um, a fun one for you, I know. Absolutely, man. I mean, it, it's a circus. It's a clown show for sure. So I can't, I'm glad you're here and uh, d- definitely a lot to go over. So uh, let, let's get into it, everybody. Um, as usual, um, I'm going to start with some of the small stuff and um, and then I'll get into the big stuff. But as everybody knows, once I, once I get to you on the panel, feel free to share any thoughts you have, any opinions on any of the headlines I, I just went over. Um, okay, here's what I'm going to start with. And this is something really pivotal and really important. And uh, I'm glad it's being addressed because in the past with past leaders, it was not, it, it, it wasn't one of their main concerns. They weren't putting forth this issue like they should. And I'm glad Trump is taking action, but uh, the travel ban, you know, we've already seen Trump put in certain countries uh, with that travel ban, but now uh, according to an article from earlier today, there will be more, because uh, with everything going on lately, he has to add more countries on the ban. I mean, I mean, is that even, I mean, it's common sense for what, what we're going through in the, the radicalization of the of terrorism and ISIS and all these Middle East places and, and these various uh, leaders and, and, and socialist dictators that are trying to make threats to us. I mean, give me a break. You know, we can't, we can't tolerate it, and we can't have our people go there and be in harm's way and be around this sort of toxic culture. I mean, these people in these countries are poisoned, you know, and I feel bad for the civilians that have to deal with the trauma and deal with all these dangers. They have to wake up every day, a lot of these people over there. And I mean, it's just like nothing, nothing like America. You, you know, these people are getting raped. They're getting beaten to death. They're some of the kidnappings, sex slaves, you name it. And, you know, we all know this. We've seen reports about when we when Americans go over to these places, there's there's a good good amount of times that bad stuff happens. I mean, you know, you got those few times where, you know, maybe a, a good amount of times where nothing does, but there's also a good amount where it does. And God, I mean, look at all the hostages that Trump has had to get out of some of these places. And I, I praise him because you know what? He's putting us first. He's more concerned about the security and safety of our well-being than than anything. And uh, this travel ban really really proves it. And, uh, you know, we all know why probably more action wasn't taken on this early on from other past leaders in the past, probably because of special interest groups. We see how Trump is not owned. Uh, he does his own thing. Uh, he, he says what he wants. He, he puts um, America first. And, you know, these a lot of these countries are not used to that. So it's kind of a, a thing of a, 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 an awakening, a new sheriff in town. Okay. Um, let's see here. You know, I, I was reading this article the other day, and I thought I was reading The Onion, or I thought I was reading satire or some parody, but no, it's true. I fact-checked it. Joe Biden, sleepy, creepy Joe, the one that says that he wants little kids to come play with his leg hair in the pool. I mean, this guy's a weirdo. This guy's a strange cookie. He said some of the nastiest, craziest. Oh, and remember, remember when he said uh, Corn Pop? He told that, that fake story about the gang member, um, so he supposedly intimidated. Okay, Joe, yeah, yeah we really believe all these He's, and then half the time he can't even know he doesn't even know what state he's in. He looks up, he's like, uh, I'm in uh Jesus. But anyway, his latest thing, and he's totally off his rocker, we know that. But he wants to give all illegal aliens that get DUIs amnesty. He wants to make them sanctuary. He wants to keep them here. And we're talking about these people, and it's been reported 
I see on a weekly basis illegal aliens committing DUIs. It happens all the time, and a lot of times they run people over or they kill people, um, and there's certain reasons for that. There's, you know, I, I, I think a lot of these people don't think the law, a law applies to them. You know, we see how much leniency some of these task leaders have had with these illegals being able to walk free, do whatever the hell they want. It's insane. And you have people like Joe Biden and the, and the Democrats saying people that openly break laws that come here illegally can stay. Not just coming across the border, which is a crime in itself, but if you commit a crime in this country as bad as a DUI, risking somebody's life, you can stay. Seriously? I mean, people, you know what? It's like, I, it's a whole nether level of extreme with the Democrats. You know, wow. Okay, um, here we go. You know, George, George Soros made a statement today, and it's kind of disturbing, and it just goes to show he's heavily involved, and he always has been in our elections, in our economy, uh, in foreign entities, in, in their corruption, with, with collapses of their economy. He's, he's betted against certain markets uh, before they crashed, and he got so much profit out of it. And, you know, we all know he's one of the dirtiest donors. He gives to all these leftist radical uh, groups. And uh, he was in Davos uh, this past week, and he said the 2020 election with Trump will determine, quote-unquote, the fate of the world. You know this guy's all in. You know this guy is throwing money as much as he can. This guy is terrified of Trump. This guy feels threatened by him, and we all know why. George Soros is an evil globalist. Uh, he, he controls these poli- he controls politicians. He treats all these Democrats like they're puppets. Which you know, when you're giving somebody that much money, like Soros does, you know, it's not surprising how they bow down to him. So, you know, just making some of the statements this guy makes. You know, you know, lately especially, he's going to get dirtier than ever this election. He's and he's gotten extremely dirty in so many elections. But this is going to go to a whole nether level of extremes. Okay. Um, Okay, this is, this is good, and I'm happy this is happening. Um, Idaho is now joining the movement to prevent transgenders, chicks with dicks, athletes, from competing against girls in school. We've seen this for the longest time, chicks with dicks, trannies, uh, having the advantage, cheating their way, being able to win competitions. And we all know, uh, you know, if, if, you're a, if you're born a man and you want to become a woman, you've got the advantage. I mean, you were born with male uh, parts, you know, and it, it, it's just it's common sense in the in the physical sports world that men are more gifted and stronger and tougher than women in sports for so many different reasons. Um, strength, durability, speed. I mean, it goes on and on. And that, there's even studies about that. So it's not like there's there's nothing abnormal. So I, I think when you're when you're cheating in these sort of situations and you and you're all these other kids have to, you know, do it the right way, and they have to start from the bottom. But you come in after getting a sex change with all that power and all that previous testosterone. I mean, come on. Come on. I mean, it shouldn't even be a question. And this is what PC culture has done to our society. They have transformed us into this, you know, if you don't accept it, you're hateful, you're a bigot, you're a racist. You know, let people be who they are, even if they want to be 100 different genders, even if they want to go in the bathroom with your little girl. I mean, there's no limit on the left and how they push their extreme agenda. It's sad and it's sick. It really is. Um, okay, this is, this is really, and we knew this was coming, you know. The left wants illegals to vote for them. They want 
you know, felons to vote for him. Now their next focus and obsession is having in Massachusetts, a Democratic lawmaker is considering a bill that would allow 16-year-olds to vote. I mean, you have, high school kids should not be allowed to vote. I mean, there's no, come on. They're still living with their parents. They're still growing up. They can't even, they, they haven't even gone to college yet. Um, it's one of those things where it's just ridiculous. I mean, I get the fact that they get their driver's licenses and stuff at 16. I, I think that's one of those strong reasons, um, you know, this is being considered. But I think the main reason is that the Democrats know they have the millennials brainwashed and, and the sense of entitlement that's been created for these new, these new age individuals um, that, they, that if they start letting people vote at 16, they know that they'll be – it will help them significantly in elections. They want, and that's what they're doing. Think about it. All these college campuses, all these, all these high schools, all these areas, they're even going to high schools. They're going everywhere. They're going everywhere where the youth is. And you see all these youth, you know, young people that want Bernie Sanders. They want free health care and want everybody to pick, you know, they want everybody's money that they didn't earn. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's crazy what we've, what this has evolved into in our society. And it's, it's not recognizable in many, in many instances. Um, I want to say something really impressive. President Trump, I mean, I, every single day, you know, he, he's unbelievable. This guy is a miracle worker. He's something straight from the Bible. And like I said many times on my show, he's fulfilled and delivered on 80% of his agenda within the first three years of his presidency. Again, that's 80% of his agenda within the first three years. Most presidents don't even fulfill 10% after eight years. This guy's unbelievable. Um, and we're seeing all these Democrats that don't recognize their party anymore – that are going towards Trump. They may not agree with everything Trump does, but it's a hell of a lot better than socialism. And uh, it was just announced in New Jersey, which has gone Democrat pretty much for as long as I can remember. They're, they've always leaned blue, New Jersey. Uh, there's been 100,000 tickets sold for the Trump rally in New Jersey. Think about that. A state that has been known to be blue pretty much every election cycle is now selling 100,000 tickets for a Trump rally. If that's not any indication or that's not any sign right there that uh, people have woken up in so many different ways, I don't know what is. There you go, folks. 100,000 in New Jersey. That's more than damn Arizona, and Arizona's twice the size. New Jersey's small. New Jersey's the size of Israel. I mean, I get people from New York will probably be going over there. That's understandable. But still, lots of New Jersey residents. It's crazy. Okay. Um, this is this is awesome, and uh, we I, I saw this on the news the other day, and I love it. Hillary Clinton is being sued by Tulsi Gabbard, fifty I think it's fifty or sixty million dollars, and everybody's on the comment board, you know, making jokes. Hillary Hillary's gonna Hillary's gonna make you suicide yourself, uh, um, Tulsi. Tulsi, be careful. Hillary's around the corner. She's gonna get you. That's what that's what these people are saying, and. I mean, that was one of my first concerns. When Tulsi comes out and says this, I'm like, is, is Hillary going to pull what she did on Jeffrey Epstein? I mean, but it's like, you know why she's suing? is because Hillary called her a Russian agent. Hillary tried to frame her. Hillary was bitter. Hillary was angry. And she tried to, you know, put her hate on, on someone else. It's, um, it's pretty sad the way Hillary is such a sore loser. She still can't accept 2016. Uh, she doesn't like Tulsi's style. I think, you know what? You know, Tulsi has some really good ideas, and I think she'll have an okay political future. I don't, I don't think she's off the radar by any means. And I really think this was 
ballsy. This was ballsy to sue a Clinton? To sue a Clinton? I mean, you got to, you got to, wow. Wow. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Jesus. You know, uh, I pray for, I pray for Tulsi, though. The Clintons, people end up missing when you, when they go against the Clintons. We've seen this in so many different examples. Okay. uh, Let's see here. Okay, this is, you know, going, going into this whole Biden corruption, I mean, it goes on and on. You know, I just read a, a, a report the other day. James Biden, Joe's brother, got a $1.5 billion, would it be, in government contracts. Think about that. In government contracts, he got $1.5 billion, despite zero experience. And these are just the multiple things that keep coming out about the Bidens. Now it's saying that Hunter Biden... According to a judge, he must appear in court after violating order to turn over financial docs. Oh, my God. We're probably going to – unless he's amazing at hiding stuff, unless he's the greatest crook in the world, which I don't think he is. I think they're pretty dumb, the Bidens, in certain aspects. I think they're clever in certain ways, but I think they're dumb in other ways. We're going to find out a lot when, when the judge – you know, when this is revealed. Um, I know they have good accountants. I know they have people that work for them, dirty people, lawyers behind closed doors. Uh, but I, I think I, I still think we're going to see something. I think there's going to be, uh, I really do. I, I, I have a good feeling about this. I mean, the judge obviously has something up his sleeve. Um, and you know, for, 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 and I love how this judge is going by the rule of law and not playing any biased politics or not. Even if he is a Democrat, he's not going to play that. He's going to go by the book and by what he should do. You know? It's one of those things. Um, Hunter Biden, apparently, according to a report, he's prepping for impeachment testimony. Um, so in case that he goes in there and testifies, uh, he's ready, apparently. They're, they're get, he's getting coached. Imagine that. It's like a Hollywood movie set. He has to be practiced. He has to be coached on what he's actually going to say. How silly. How silly. The guy can't go in there like a man. He has to have a freaking acting coach. When I read this, I was laughing. This guy's a wimp. He takes no accountability. Daddy got him a bunch of money. Daddy, daddy broke the rules for him. And they justify. That's all they do. And they're the victim. This is, this is a smear campaign. No, it's not. You guys have been getting away with bullshit for so many years. Enough. And don't forget, I mean... You know, we're looking at um, Hunter Biden and, and all his wealth and all the countries. This past week, there's been more countries that's come out that have been involved with the Biden in terms of getting them money. It's like four or five other countries. And it's like, Jesus, it just keeps, keeps. Like, we find out more and more every day. We really do. Um, and this whole impeachment thing, it's a, it's a, it's a mess. Uh, the hearings lost millions of viewers as the Senate trial opened. So as the Senate trial opened today, the numbers went down by the millions. Nobody, people are sick of the same repetitive talking points. It's a repeat. It's a Hollywood show. It's a political circuit. There's no legitimate evidence. There's no sufficient cause. It's all hearsay. It's a partisan witch hunt. And a lot of people, you know, there's people that don't like Trump. And even the people that don't like Trump, a lot of them understand that this is going to go nowhere. And this is a waste of time to the constituents. And, uh, you know, they feel so threatened by him, these, these, these politicians, you know, it, it's, and they've, they've tried impeaching him ever since he got elected. 
the first president in history to give power back to we the people and to not be controlled by anybody. Greatest economy, lowest black unemployment, lowest Asian unemployment, lowest female unemployment, lowest Hispanic unemployment. Do I have to go on? I mean, seriously, Adam Schiff is trying to make impeachment about the Russia hoax? I mean, come on. The Russia hoax already fell through. There's nothing there. It's not sufficient. Next, next, what's next? And they've, they've had about 100 different narratives that don't stick, and they keep coming out with new storylines every day. I mean, they're always fixated and obsessed with a, with a new, with, with, with something new that they can spin. Think about it. Think about how many different headlines and, and talking points and, and narratives they came out with in regards to this scandal, in regards to this fictional hit job on our president. This is what they've done over and over. It's all lies just to get him out of power. Um, and Adam Schiff wants more witnesses, but he ignores those that are already called. Don't forget, all these Democrats have had secret meetings. They've ignored witnesses that could have come forward and could have cleared the president on several occasions. There were so many things there that could have cleared the president, but since they have the power of the House, they, they only wanted to do things their way, make their own rules, do everything the opposite of how the rule of law and how our proper ethics and, and, and you know work. It, 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 it's insane. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, this is one of those things where, you know, the impeachment is only, it's only hurting them. You know, we saw how popular Bill Clinton became after the impeachment circus. You know, the Democrats won back the House. And I, 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 back in 99, and I really think it's going to be a similar scenario with the Republicans. Republicans are going to win back the House. They're going to get more seats in the Senate, and it's going to be magical. It really is. And, yeah, the, de- the Democrats are really in for a rude awakening. Um, Tim, let's go to you. I'll start with you. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah, uh, great stuff. I mean, I think the theme here is that the people who are anti-American from around the world with people like George Soros – and people right here in this country, they have this anti-American agenda, and they got to flip this country because it, it's in their way. We've been the most successful in, in the history of this, na- of this world, and they know that they, in order to have their tyrannical ways, they have to transform us. And what we're seeing are people like George Soros funding all these left-wing crazy groups that are that basically causing Americans to fight amongst each other and – they're just, just dumping in this evil money, and, and he's partially responsible for a lot of the illegals that come here, forcing a, a class of people that don't want to assimilate to come into our country to vote in our, our elections and, and take over what, what, is, what is truly American, and, and it's, it's destroying this country. And you were talking about the travel ban, so President Trump is trying to stop you know, a lot of these people from coming in. That are bad actors, and they come in, and they want to do bad things. And then you have a situation uh, – I'm writing a piece on this about how California uh, has a travel ban with Iowa and all these other states because they don't support funding transgender reassignment surgery or, or something along those lines. And it's, it's – if you, if you, the way our union was created was to be set about the states having the right to do these certain things, yet now you have states that are so far to the left 
that are just shunning other states and trying to hurt these states because they don't agree with the people that live there that enact these laws, it's, it's got to stop. So going in with – you were talking about the voting as well. To get what the left really wants, they also need help not only from the illegal votes, but if they can get votes from people whose minds haven't developed uh, to maturity at you know by voting at the age of 16, and I know how I was at 16, uh, generally most younger people tend to vote more liberal than conservative, so they know this. And what, what floors me is you, you want to give a person at 16 years old the right to vote, yet they can barely drive most of the time. And then at 18, you'll send them off to war. And then at 21, now they can drink and smoke cigarettes. And then, of course, they can smoke weed, whatever, and that's not an issue. So it's, it, it's backwards. And, and they do this because they want this country to have this division in, in, in between you know, with, the, with its citizens. And then you got, you got President Trump that comes in. And like you said, his promises were what I was grading him on for his presidency you know, for the past three years. And I said there were three things that I wanted to see, and if he did those three, I'd be happy than anything, happier than anything. And one was lowering taxes, and, and by the way, uh, I put out a piece today that has President Trump is announcing a tax cut for the middle class in the next 90 days. So I'm looking forward to that. But so he's been pushing tax breaks. Um, building that wall was the second thing, and we see the wall is, is going up. And then lastly, lock her up, and I'm waiting for that to come. But that leads me right into Tulsi Gabbard and the Hillary situation. Let me be the first to say Tulsi did not kill herself. As we all know, Epstein didn't kill himself, So, and I pray nothing happens to Tulsi, but it's like, like with Epstein, we knew it was going to happen. And then it happened, and it just then we knew that it was going to be covered up, and it's been covered up. It's you got these two systems of of America where you have these elitists that get whatever they want. The laws don't apply to them. The facts are right there, and Joe Biden says, you know, he's he's not giving the money to Ukraine unless they fire the guy, and the media doesn't even want to touch it. The prosecution's not even touching it, and you have evidence right there. Yet. You'll have the left go after someone like President Trump, who is, at best, it's hearsay about this whole situation with this fake impeachment. So it, it's so obvious to most Americans, but, but it goes back to that point that they're, they're, pe- they're bringing in people who don't have that American belief that will go along with this kind of sham. It, 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 it's, not, it's not good for the health of this nation. So um, – with, with Biden and his son and his brother, and I was hearing the, the story today about about the brother, and he's getting all these hundreds of millions, and he had no experience as well. I mean this is nepotism at, at, at nepotism on steroids. You know, and as a father, you know, I, I would – maybe I would do the same thing for my kids, but you know what? It's still wrong, and in his position, it's even more egregious because he's taking our money. All of that, all of our kids' money, and he's funneling it so that his son gets that money, and that is wrong. And it's not a commendable act, but to do what's best for your children is great. Maybe what he should have done was raise his child in a different way, 
so that he didn't have all the issues that were that were going on surrounding his life, and then you know making a mockery of our entire system. So we saw under that under that regime with Obama and Biden all the corruption and everything that is now being exposed. And I'm praying that as President Trump keeps pushing and pushing all of his agenda and and the stuff gets revealed, I'm hoping more Americans will wake up and say, you know what? We've had enough. These people are out of touch, and it's time that we stand up and, and do what's right for America and change the, tra- the trajectory that the left has put us on. And I think we're going to have five more years now of President Trump, and I think it's really going to help make sure that we're on that right path. I just want to make sure that after President Trump steps down that we have people in place and policies in place to keep it moving forward so that we can keep America great. I I agree 100%, and I, I would love to I would love to see like a Don Jr. carry on the legacy. I, and I think he, according to a bunch of polls recently, there were a few polls that came out a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago that most conservatives would, would the majority of conservatives would want him as the nominee just because because once you have Trump, it's like going from a five star meal going back to McDonald's if we go back to a regular politician. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? It's it, like. It's just a given. I mean, we need to continue it. It's a very important uh, agenda, this America First, and I don't, I don't want anything to jeopardize it. Yeah, I remember, you know, as a child, you know, growing up, you know, I grew up with Ronald Reagan as a president when I was really little. And I remember, I, yeah. I think I was in fifth grade, and we had we had the presidential inauguration on in the lunchroom when George W. George H. W. Bush became president. And I was too young right. to really understand what was going on. But you had an unprecedented third term of the incumbent party, but yet Bush and Reagan ideologically were so different. And that's what I'm afraid of, that after Trump steps down, somebody might come in and and blow that whole thing up and put a fake Republican moniker on it. So we've got to have somebody in place, and I know it's five years away, but those five years will come real soon, and we'll be back into the same situations that we were in just, just a couple years ago. Absolutely, Josh. Uh, very well said. I'll, always a oh, I mean, um, Tim, Tim. Tim, always a pleasure. I'm, I'm getting to Josh. Oh, Tim, always a pleasure. Thank I wouldn't you. mind being Josh. Uh, always. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> always a pleasure, though. I always love your insight. Always great talking points. Uh, I've got a lot more to get into though in the show, uh, but thank you for being with us. And um, uh, well, I'm gonna definitely get back to you here in a little bit because I definitely a lot more to get sure. into. Sure thing. All righty. Um, let's go to. Uh, Josh, uh, Josh, I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts um, of everything that's going on and everything I kind of mentioned. Yes, yes, I do. We, uh, you know, the first thing is, you know, you discussed the travel ban. You know, it, it, again, it's just it's common sense. You know, it makes sense with uh, the Iran escalation, everything in the Middle East. Uh, you know, I mean, we have to control our borders. We have to control what's going in and out of our country. Uh, we can't just allow people to come here randomly. Uh, you know, we must vet people the best we can. And look what's going on in China with the new with the new virus over there. You know, I mean, it, it just Trump uses common sense that we all talk about, but it never gets done because dirty money gets tossed around and things get thrown out the window. You know, and it's just good to see him putting the security of America first and foremost above anything else. And and the people can complain all they want. The fake news can complain. All day, 24-7. It doesn't matter. He doesn't care. He's doing what's best for the country. 
And it's, it's just good to see. Um, you know, referring to Joe Biden with the illegal immigrants and, you know, getting DUIs and not getting deported, which you could ask nine out of ten people and they think it's ridiculous that an illegal immigrant gets a DUI here with the potential of killing somebody or causing a serious accident and then still allowed to stay in the country. It makes no sense. Again, common sense should prevail here. You know, uh, the entire Biden family, they profited off our tax money, just like Tim was saying. And it, it, it's unacceptable. It needs to be stopped. These people need to be arrested for these blatant crimes. And until that happens, it's never going to stop. The deep state is just going to keep doing it. You know, and, and, and you know, talking about the deep state, you know, getting into the impeachment, um, you know, it's nothing but lies and more lies and more propaganda and more fake news. It's nothing more than a political stunt. We can see it a mile away. It's as partisan as could be. Uh, you know, actually, it's in favor of the Republican. We, we've gained a we gained a Republican out of this, right? So it's worked out for us. And and I think the rate uh, the ratings for everything is just you know they're they're falling off the cliff. And and uh, you know and and all all they're doing is regurgitating the same lies and fake news that they did when they were in the House. And I met with I won't say his name, but I met with a congressman uh, two days ago here in Arizona. That as uh, people everybody knows who he is. He was part of a lot of the House stuff. And even he's like, I can't even watch ship lie anymore. I can't watch it. Like we, we had a meeting like during the middle of the Senate, you know, the Senate impeachment, and neither one of us are watching it. We're just like fed up, you know, it's ridiculous. They're regurgitating they're, and using the same fake lies and information we did full time. It's all based on hearsay. There's no truth behind anything they're saying. And ship will talk for three hours straight, bold face lying. It's actually it's it's really it's impressive actually <laughs> for somebody to be able to to be that good at lying, you know what I mean? But um, you know, uh, you know, we've all had enough of it. You know, everything, everything that went through the House is going through the Senate. They should just vote to to acquit the president. And um, and you know, I just want the unconstitutional nonsense over with. You know, I, I, what I want to see happen is him to be acquitted. Then I want to see a Senate intel investigation into Ukraine, the Biden, Burisma, CrowdStrike, Cyprus. And a few other things I'm probably forgetting off the top of my head here uh, that that we should be looking into because corruption should be looked into, and, and not just not just there but every country for that matter. And and the fact that President Trump's doing this is not because he's scared of Biden to be running against him. He's doing it because he's corrupt as hell. That's why, <laughs> you know. So there's a big difference, you know. Um, you know, and, and nothing. I, I was watching earlier tonight. Uh, some people forgot that you know all these Obama holdovers should be fired. Immediately and relieved of their duties. You know, they're talking about uh, Mr. Ben, excuse me, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman. You know, he should be fired. Why is he still working in our government when he's blatantly going after our president? And not only that, the lying, it was kind of, you know, the guy's arrogance is off the charts. Um, and there's just so many people that they need to clean house. They need to clean house of these people. Um, you know, and, uh, and I, and I do, I, I agree with Tim in the sense that, you know, Trump, he won't be here forever. And, and, and we need policies and we need people in place to keep America great, right? And we need to rid ourselves of the socialist nonsense. And, and so we've got to put these policies in place and the right people in place and get rid of the bad apples and, and get rid of as much of the deep state as we possibly can, which is very deep. It's going to be very tough to do. But we need to get to the place that we're not going to have them there forever. You know, so we really need to get things put in place so that when, when President Trump's done, the next person that's coming in, we can get behind and keep this movement going. Um, uh, I don't know, Ed, did you uh, did you attend any MLK events, Rory? 
No, I wasn't. I wasn't there, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, well, I, it was it was funny because, of course, um, I'm the stereotypical white Republican, right? <laughs> and um, yeah, and uh, you know, and I, I had a guy come up to me, and I kind of purposely kind of engaged with him. Um, he was uh, blatantly, I mean, blatantly, he you know, he was he was walking through. He was part of like looked like either the Black Israelites or the Muslim Brotherhood of some kind of stuff. So I kind of engaged with him, and he kind of looked at me and he said. Why are you here? And I was like, well, probably the same reason you're here. And he just kind of looked at me and said, oh, yeah. He's kind of surprised that I said something back to him. And, and he's like, what's that? And I said, well, I believe in judging a person by their character, not their color. That's why I'm here. And I'm here and I'm here because I want to do what's best for this country. And he kind of just shrugged his shoulders at me. And, and, and I go, okay, let me ask you this. What policy do you disagree with the president on? And what his answer was, his answer was, man, all you Republicans are the same. You're all racist. And I was like, I started laughing. You know, I was like, listen, I don't want your ridiculous opinion. I want you to name one single Trump policy you disagree with. And he looked at me and he says, F you to me. You're racist. And I just kind of let it go. But that, like the, the ignorance of certain people there, right? But then the other 99% of the people that came through were very respectful, very, you know, kind of like, Kind of giving me a like, yeah, I like the president, but I can't admit it. <laughs> you know, I can't admit it here. But and then we had right. a few come up that were just being typical liberal nut jobs, you know, coming up and trying to twerk on the president's cutout and stuff like that. And they just stand there. And, and I told them, you know, oh, that's that's real classy. Keep it up, you guys. You guys, you know, really making your Democrat Party look good. And they kind of, you know, but but honestly, a good night. Everybody else there was very respectful. You know, they, I think they were kind of. Impressed that we were out there sticking our noses in where the, the Republican Party, at least here in Arizona, doesn't stick their nose in. And I, and I think they were – and we had numerous people come up and sign, sign a petition for the Second Amendment, sign a petition for the pro-life movement, and, just, and do different stuff. So it was it – was, it was, overall, it was very encouraging, you know. And um, so that's just something I wanted to point out. But, you know, the, the hypocrisy of the Democrat Party is what blows my mind more than anything in the shift lies. But, you know, the Obama administration withheld foreign aid repeatedly throughout his, his eight years. You know, they held, I think it's like, a, well, a billion to Ukraine, they threatened to withhold. They withheld another $800 million for Pakistan, $450 million for Colombia, $433 million to the Philippines. That wasn't renewed at all. Egypt, they withheld $260 million, Honduras, $30 million, and Mexico, $26 million. I just looked this up while we were talking, and it's like nobody, nobody said a word about that, right? You know? And um, – and, and, and the fact that they're making this big deal, we all know it's nonsense. And it's just, again, it just points that it's pure politics. It's backfiring in their faces. And I actually think it's amazing. It's great for the Republican Party. And uh, and once this is all done and he's acquitted, now, uh, and Rory, I always bring this up to you, but keep in mind, we have the Durham and Barr investigations that are going to be coming up here soon with some indictments. And when that hits, when Trump's acquitted, and those indictments hit, and we we know it's not going to be Republicans primarily. It's going to be pretty much all Democrats and those types of people like McCabe and Comey and, and these types of people uh, and Clapper. But um, you know, we're, we've been forgetting about that because it's not being talked about. You know, and it's probably being done on done on purpose for that reason. But um, and one last thing I want to say. I hope Tulsi wins that lawsuit, but I also I also pray for her that she doesn't get the Clinton side. You know, so. 
uh, I hope I hope that she stays safe and very aware of her surroundings. I know she's a military girl, but man, those Clintons, you know, it, you know, they can get to Epstein in the jail. They can get to her. So I pray that she that she stays and remains healthy, and I pray that she wins this too because I think she has been defamed by Clinton, and um, and she, there's probably about a thousand other people that should be suing her as well for the same reason because Joe Biden. They're already. She already said that she doesn't support Joe Biden. Nobody likes him. And they're never going to let Joe Biden win that Democrat nomination. Not going to happen, no matter what. They stole it from him last time. They're never going to let it happen. And and it's it's um, I don't know how I don't know how you can be a Democrat today. I say it all the time for many many reasons, and that's just another one of those reasons. Why do you support the Democrat Party? And really, no one can really answer my question. You know, they might find one thing that they like, and that's it. You know, but it's um. There's a lot, a lot of negatives in that party, a lot of infighting, and the Republicans are more united than I've ever seen, you know. So it's a, it's a, this is a good thing for Republicans. It's going to be a good thing for America when we get, we get us in office, guys like Tim in office, that are going to go there and do the right thing for the right reasons with a conservative agenda and follow the Constitution and go back to using common sense for crying out loud, you know, and do, do what's best for our country. So. Yeah, no, that's, that's, Absolutely. I agree. I agree 100%. Uh, very, very well said. Um, as always, Josh, really, really a pleasure with, with all your all your talking points. You always make you know perfect perfect sense with everything you you put on the table. And yeah, I mean it's it's so much at once right now. We're having headline after headline, and it's a lot to juggle. You know, it's a lot to lot to focus on, um, and it's just, a lot of it's a distraction. You know what I mean? You there, Josh? Yes, I'm here. Sorry. They cut out for a second. Yeah, I was just saying, like, there's so much going on at once, and it's just a lot of it's a distraction, you know? Yeah, no, it really is. It's a distraction, and and that's exactly uh, when I met with the congressman a few days ago. He said the same thing. We know this is complete BS. We know this is based on absolutely no facts. It's unconstitutional how how they proceeded through this. And um, and right now, I, I I feel that they're trying to cover up what's what's coming out with uh with with uh, Mr. Durham and Mr. Barr with what their investigations are going to uncover, and I think they're kind of setting themselves up to try to provide as much distraction as possible. Now, hell, now they're even talking about Russian collusion again today, all day today. It's ridiculous, you know. When we know damn well, even from the political article uh, uh, years ago, uh, exposing this Ukrainian corruption with the DNC and, and the yeah. Clintons buying. People in, in Ukraine, not Russia, Ukraine, and they're trying to push it off like, oh, Russia's blaming Ukraine because they're trying to take – No, there's not one Republican I know that, that says Russia did not and try, either try or did interfere in our election. Nobody denies that, but yet they keep lying right. and saying that we do. It's ridiculous, and, and we know for a fact that Ukraine did the same damn thing because we know Hillary paid them. We have proof of this. Yeah. And, and they keep yeah. trying to spin it so that we don't go after them. We need to go after them. Uh, Senator Graham and, and, and McConnell, they need to go after these, I'll be nice, these guys. <laughs> they need to go after yeah. these guys. And they need to, they need, we need justice. We deserve justice, and we demand it as Americans. And these criminals right. need to be held accountable, or it will never change. It will always be like this. Actually, it will get even worse. No, I agree. I agree. No, I agree 100%. Uh, Josh, stay with us. Uh, a lot more to get into tonight. Uh, I do want to introduce to the show, though, I believe he's with us. We have former, uh, we have popular economist and former senior fellow at the 
Cato Institute, Dan Mitchell. Dan, welcome to the show. Glad you could be here with us. Your first time on, big fan of yours. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a public finance economist, which means I write a lot about taxes and spending. But over the years, I've also done work on regulation, monetary policy, trade policy, uh, basically trying to get government to have a smaller footprint in our lives. I love it. I love it. And so, so you've done you've done quite a bit. You know, you you've you've done a lot of stuff being an economist. You know, being at the Cato Institute. Tell us, tell us about your time there. That's a very popular uh, place. Uh, well, I actually started my career way, way back in the 1980s, working for a small little taxpayer group called Citizens for a Sound Economy. Then I spent uh, a little bit of time up on Capitol Hill, working for a senator in the Senate Finance Committee. Then I spent 17 years at the Heritage Foundation. Then 11 years at the Cato Institute before. Uh, striking out on my own with the uh, Center for Freedom and Prosperity. Uh, but all through those different positions and different years, uh, I, I, my focus has always been the size and scope of government and how excessive government is hindering our economy's vitality. Absolutely. And, and I'm, I'm one of those people that definitely agrees with you. I think government, at least most of it, should stay the hell out of our, li- the hell out of our lives. I mean, they really – uh, put a lot of unnecessary regulations in place. Um, a lot of it is, you know, filling, filling up their own pockets because a lot of this money, and we all know this, gets wasted. I mean, we see the deficit. We see the stuff that comes out, which D.C. spends our taxpayer money on. I mean, it, it goes on and on. And I know that there's been many different people uh, in D.C. on our side trying to eliminate and decrease the size of government. Uh, but, you know, it, it's a struggle. It's hard. And uh, speak on that a little bit. Do you ever think we'll get to a point where we can get most of these these jerks off our back and, and limit limit the size? To be perfectly honest, uh, it's not a optimistic scenario. Uh, slowly but surely, I think the United States uh, is adopting a European attitude where we think it's somehow government's responsibility to provide for us and do things for us. And, and I right. view that as a form of uh, societal capital. Societal capital is like the integrity of your society, the work ethic, the, the spirit of self-reliance. And I worry those good things that used to make America different than some of these European yeah. welfare states, I worry those good things are slowly eroding, that societal capital is diminishing. Uh, and, and when you combine that with the fact that we, we had a slowing birth rate and increasing lifespans, and it's good to have increasing lifespans. Every year older I get, I like that idea. But you know, all our entitlement programs are going to blow up. They, they fiscally make no sense. You're talking unfunded liabilities of tens of trillions of dollars, far bigger than the official national debt. Uh, so, yeah, in the long run, I worry a lot about the America that will be left for my children and, in theory, at some point, grandchildren. And, you know, I know for the most part, you know, I know you, 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 you um, label yourself and go by uh, the Libertarian Party, but I know you lean a lot of ways more conservative uh, than, li- than liberal, obviously. How, how, how do you feel about how Trump has created this powerful economy and what he's done with kind of deregulating certain things that were unnecessary and uh, just 
he's opened up a lot of doors in terms of, you know, flexibility and leniency with a lot of different banks. And we see record numbers with unemployment and stock market. What are your thoughts on all that? It depends on what issue you're asking me about. Uh, I think Trump's tax cut was well-designed and it's paying off in terms of a, a more competitive uh, business environment, uh, more jobs being created. I think what he's doing on regulatory policy is very sound. Uh, As you mentioned at the start of our discussion, uh, there's just too much red tape and too much government interference and intervention in our economy. On the other hand, to be perfectly fair and honest about this, his track record on government spending is not very impressive at all. Uh, No, I know. I know. And and even if if you think that uh, we're going to have long-run benefits from the trade war, in the short run, it's still imposing some costs on our economy. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't I don't know what grade to give him because it, it, the, there's really two different President Trumps. There's the one that's very good on taxes and regulation, and the one who's not very good on spending and trade. So let me ask you this: How do you feel about the first round of the China negotiations going in Trump's favor? them actually in a, in a strong way, they caved. Um, and, you know, he's got people like Larry Kudlow around him. He's got some good financial people around him. How, how do you, what's your thoughts on, on how he dealt with that whole situation? Well, Larry Kudlow, first, let me say, is first rate. Uh, we should all be very happy that Larry's there in the White yeah. House. Uh, he, uh, I think uh, he universally gives good advice. And where Trump's not doing a good job, it's because he's not listening uh, to Larry. Now, regarding China, here are two important things to focus on. China's economy is weaker and more fragile than most people realize. The the cronyism in the Chinese economy, which is how they subsidize their state-owned industries, that cronyism is very expensive for them. They have lots of hidden debt, off-the-books debt. Uh, and China, you know, if I worry about sometimes about the U.S. being in a bubble, I think China's in a much worse situation. Uh, so this is this is the right time to pressure China. Uh, now that brings me to the second point I was going to make. On paper, it looks like Trump achieved something. However, it's one thing for China to say they're going to do something. It's another thing to, for us to, say, revisit the issue one year down the road and see whether they did. Uh, and frankly, I don't even think the phase one agreement is what matters. That's basically China agreeing to buy more exports. Well, that's not free trade. Free trade is where private businesses and private consumers are making those decisions. The real key in the long run is can the president get China to stop all the cronyism, all the subsidies that tilt the playing field in favor of these state-owned enterprises in China. And, uh, and, and that's, that's, that's what I'm far more interested in seeing, how that plays out uh, over the next year or so. And, and what are your, let me ask you this. What are your, what are your thoughts on, we've seen, you know, some people are for tariffs, some are not for tariffs. But whether you're for him or not, anyone, I mean, I think we can agree that obviously there's been some hits in certain industries, but there's also been a lot of gains uh, for how he's punished China financially. I mean, like you said, their economy is really struggling. What are your thoughts on overall on how the performance of the tariffs went? It's hard to judge because 
we don't know whether China ultimately will do those critical reforms that we were just talking about. That, to me, is whether or not we can measure victory. Uh, the, the president instinctively understands. I'll give him credit for this. Before he took yeah. office, everybody was giving China basically a free ride. We weren't really pressuring them. Uh, most people thought, with, with good intentions, by the way, I'm not saying there's anything evil about them, but they were thinking, well, we'll sort of let China slide because we want to encourage them to sort of gradually evolve in the right direction. And Trump came in and said, no, you know, they're, they're, they're cheating. Uh, now, I don't think he quite understood how they were cheating. He was looking at the trade deficit. I'm looking at the cronyism and the subsidies. Nonetheless, he knew something wasn't quite right, and he put pressure on China. But again, it's a long game. They're a dictatorship. They can be patient, and it's really gonna, you know, we really do have to monitor the situation closely because why do they have these subsidies and why do they have this cronyism? For the same reason we have some cronyism and subsidies, interest groups are very effective at getting friends in government to do favors for them. And in China, the way they do it is you wind up you know, hiring the children of the Central Party Committee members to be part of your state-owned enterprise. And so they have a very corrupt incestuous system. It should be broken up. They should evolve more toward a free market. Uh, Trump is correct to pressure them, but again – it, this phase one agreement isn't the be-all and end-all. We have to see what's going to happen over the next year or two, and who knows whether Trump will still be president uh, uh, a year from now. Well, 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 let me ask. Wow. So you you don't think you don't think because the economy is so good, you don't think he'll get reelected? Well, I'm simply saying that uh, I don't have a crystal ball. Uh, I assume that if the Democrats nominate someone really crazy like Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders, you would think that the American people wouldn't want to take a chance uh, with someone like that. But then again, everyone said back in 2016, oh, well, certainly if Republicans nominate Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton can walk to the White House without even trying. So so, uh, I have a little bit of humility in terms of making political predictions. Uh, I'm, right. I'm simply saying that it could very well be that China intends to sort of filibuster a little bit and just sort of wait and see what happens with our election. Because if, if we go back to uh, uh, you know, I, well, I hate to think of Bernie Sanders as being the status quo, but if, if, if Trump winds up getting defeated by whoever, uh, China may figure that then they'll be back in the driver's seat uh, and that the pressure will ease up on them. Right. No, I, I hear you. Um, no, I understand exactly what you're saying. And if you had to give it a percentage, what would you do right now? Tr- Trump's reelection favorability, would you give it about 75 percent? Well, I actually wrote a column about this a couple of months ago. There are two different things to look at. You have the macroeconomic political forecasting models. And those yeah. main three models that the economists run all say Trump will win comfortably. However, there's also the political betting markets, and the political betting markets, that's not polling data. That's people betting real money on who they think will win. So you think they're putting their money where their mouths are. You know, they're taking it very seriously. And that only shows Trump around 50-50. Uh, so do you believe the macroeconomic forecasting models of politics, or do you believe the political betting markets where people are putting real money on the line? 
uh, and they're telling us two different stories. Um, now, having said that, you know, don't forget that everyone was wrong in 2016. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we saw there was only like one or two that predicted it correctly. I mean, everybody was uh, in for a, a crazy surprise. And, you know, let me ask you this. Do you see, you know, with, with how the stock market's performing, I know, I know you probably uh, have focused on the stock market and know the ins and outs of it ins and outs of it for many years, the way, the way it's, it, it's skyrocketing with, with breaking records. Have you ever seen anything like it? Yes and no. I'm going to give you a reason to be cautious. If we were having this discussion in March of 2007, we would yeah. have been tempted to say, isn't everything going great? Uh, so, and I do worry I do worry that the Fed has been repeating the mistakes it made last decade of keeping interest rates artificially low and, uh, yeah. in effect, uh, subsidizing and encouraging people to borrow too much money. Uh, right. So are, are we in the middle of a bubble right now? Well, if I knew the answer to that, I'd be living in the Cayman Islands or Monaco or some great place like that. Uh, so, so we don't know. Uh, but that's something that worries me. And, and when I talk to uh, some of my Republican friends in Washington uh, who work in the economic area, uh, I, I tell them, you know, you better make sure you're thinking about this as a potential issue uh, for down the road. Because if all of a sudden we have a, a correction uh, that's significant, because uh, sooner or later these things do happen, uh, you better make sure you have your narrative ready and your policy agenda ready to deal with that, because if Trump is basing his entire uh, re-election campaign on, oh, look at the stock market, I'm doing well on the economy, and all of a sudden there's some hand grenade in, in July or something, you want to make sure that you're prepared for that. Yeah, no, 100%. No, I agree. I absolutely agree. And a very important question, and I'm sure you've looked into this, and I don't know if there's an answer or if there's a solution, but how do we get the Fed? How do we get these people on board with us and stop being so stubborn and ignorant? I mean, it's like they maliciously keep us uh, on the down, you know, just under. I mean, they, they, they don't want us to advance, and they give all these other countries all these special privileges and benefits. You know, even Trump says they're giving they're, – they're paying people like Germany and other countries to borrow money. I mean, it's, it looks bad, don't you think, with what, everything that's going on? And I just want to know how we fix it and how we get them to play, to play fair. Well, I guess it depends on, on what is the final destination that people are thinking of. Uh, can we go back to a classical gold standard like we had between 1871 and 1904? That's a good system. If governments can be convinced to do that, and nobody seems to think that's a, a realistic option right now. Uh, well, what about uh, uh, going to something called competitive currencies? Well, that's sort of a libertarian fantasy. Nobody thinks that can happen. Uh, what if we just put the Fed under some Milton Friedman-type rule, like the, or like the Taylor rule for those that follow monetary policy? You familiar with that? Well, the problem is politicians can't resist the temptation to try to interfere with and monkey with monetary policy. 
And so, so long as government is involved in money, and that's, I think, just the reality of where we are today, we're always going to have this incentive uh, where politicians are tugging at one end, financial markets are tugging at the other end, uh, and we have this boom-bust cycle. I mean, ever since the Federal Reserve was created, we've had a boom-bust cycle, not as bad today maybe as it used to be, so I think maybe they have learned a few things. Uh, but then again, you know, maybe six months from now, a bubble will burst and, and we'll say, oh, I guess we didn't realize it was worse than we thought. No, I, I hear you. I hear you. And, you know, how, how do you do you, if you if you I mean, just predicting, I, I know there's always disruptions, you know, every every so often. But the, the next one that's going to come around, do you predict it's going to be a bad one like 2008 or do you think it's going to be very minimal? Again, if I knew the answer to that, uh, I'd be a rich guy uh, sipping my uh, pina colada on the beach right now in the Caribbean. Uh, I personally worry a lot about whether or not with all these artificially low interest rates, all these rounds of quantitative easing, uh, I worry there's a bit of a bubble in the economy right now. If you look at the fact that like you know, 10-year Italian government bonds – are trading at like 2%, that's absurd. It, the next recession in Europe, Italy is going to suffer a Greek-style fiscal collapse. Nobody should be lending Italy money for 10 years at 2%. So there's all these signals out there that just are causing my antenna to quiver and, and making me think that there's a bubble. Uh, now, however, I could be wrong, and I hope I'm wrong. Uh, but again, when you're looking at international investment, you look at all the liquidity that not only the Fed, but the European Central Bank and other central banks have been pushing into the system. Uh, I do worry it's like 2008 all over again. But of course, things never happen the same way. Uh, so maybe this time it'll be the junk bond market. Maybe, maybe it'll be some other pressure point in the economy. Uh, I just don't know. But, uh, yeah, but no, let, let me make let me make another point here because because yeah. I'm definitely not trying to make any sort of partisan points. Uh, Obama was in favor of easy money. George W. Bush was in favor of easy money, and Trump is in favor of easy money. Uh, whenever you're an incumbent president of whatever party, you always want the Fed to goose the economy to make you look better. Uh, so it's just unfortunate that politicians have that tool at their disposal. Now, in theory, the Federal Reserve is supposed to be independent and they're supposed to be able to resist the pleading of politicians, uh, but I just think it's a permanent problem we have with our system. Once you get government involved in any sector of the economy, even monetary policy, you're just asking for things to go wrong. Yeah, no, I, 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 get, I get exactly what you're, I, I get what you're saying. And, um, you know, I want to ask you, um, in, in terms of you know, like the just with all, how do you how do you view everything in terms of all the companies opening up shop here for the first time, and you know, just all the jobs that are coming back? I mean, do you like that sort of thing? I mean, it, it's making a huge impact, don't you think? This is sort of going back to uh, the positive things that Trump has been doing on uh, tax reform right. and on regulatory easing. Right. Uh, there's yep. no question we have a very very strong job market. Uh, yeah. Now, 
we don't want to just look at the unemployment rate. We also want to look at something called the labor force participation rate, sometimes called uh, the employment population ratio. Uh, and that number isn't quite as good, but it's also moving in the right direction. Uh, so we do have some positive news. It's, I think it's fantastic, great news that we're seeing wages rise, especially for people with lower incomes. I think that's a very positive sign for the economy. Uh, the whole question for me is, is it sustainable? Is it durable? Are we setting the groundwork uh, for sort of a long-run era of prosperity? And that's why I wish Trump wouldn't be increasing government spending so much. Uh, you know, and I wish he would uh, he would ease up on the trade stuff because other you know we do have some very important good pieces of uh, uh, public policy out there that are helping our economy, uh, but it could be doing better if we just sort of fixed a few of these mistakes. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree 100. percent You know, we, we, there's there's definitely things that I mean, if you if you were in charge right now, name the first three things you would do. Uh, in terms of you know being an economist and, and what you see, obviously the deficit deficits one, but what would be the other two? Well, actually, let me make a point about the deficit that I think is underappreciated. And, and let me start with an analogy. Let's say you get really bad headaches, and you go to the doctor, or the doctor these MRIs and you have a brain tumor. Are you going to then say to the doctor, well, can you give me a Tylenol or an aspirin for my headache? Well, maybe you will. It's no fun to have a headache. But you know what? You're going to be much more concerned about the brain tumor. The brain tumor is the problem. The headache is the symptom of the problem. Now, the reason I give you that analogy is because America doesn't have a deficit problem. We have a spending problem. And because the government is spending too much money, one of the symptoms – of that excessive spending is the fact that we have all this red ink. So, so yes, the number one problem in my mind in the long run is the fiscal issue, but I wouldn't say deficits. I would say it's government spending. Government spending is the disease. Deficits are a symptom of the disease, and we desperately right. need to put a cap on government spending. There are countries like Switzerland and Hong Kong that have constitutional spending caps. Those work. We have balanced budget requirements in, in Illinois, in New Jersey, California. Do they work? No. Spending caps are the right policy because they focus on the real problem of government spending. So that would be the number one thing that I would want to do. Uh, now, that's sort of the easy part of the answer because the spending cap simply says government can't grow faster than, say, 2% a year. The hard part right. is how do you make that happen? You have to do things like reform entitlements. Uh, you have to do things like uh, uh, shut down some counterproductive agencies and departments of the federal government. We shouldn't have a federal department of education. There shouldn't be a federal department of energy, a federal department of housing and urban development. You, know, you name it. There's all sorts of things that our founding fathers would be horrified if they saw that Washington was involved in those sectors of the economy. No, I hear you. I understand 100%. Uh, you know, I could talk to you all day. Uh, great, great source and you know of information and amazing insight. And I love, I love all your, uh, I love these discussions. I mean, it's it's really, really um, educational, and you really, you really learn a lot. I want to get you back soon, but tell everybody where they can connect with you, where they can find your work, all that stuff. 
Well, I'm I'm head of the Center for Freedom and Prosperity, but the the main way that people can follow my work, just go to any search engine, type in Dan Mitchell blog, and it'll take you to my blog, which is called International Liberty, where I, I write a column every single day focusing on public policy developments around the world, what we can learn from what's happening. Because there are countries that have done great things on social security reform. There are countries that have done great things on school choice. Of course, I'm always writing about the policy, both the good and the policy coming out of Washington. But just Dan Mitchell-Blog and all the international I appreciate it. Dan, you're you're cutting out a little bit. Say it again. I was just gonna just gonna say that you could even sign up. Uh, I get a free email of my column every single day. Okay, sounds sounds good, my friend. Um, I really appreciate it. And you're on Twitter as well, right? Yeah, at Daniel J Mitchell. Okay, sounds sounds good. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. All right, bye bye. All righty. Uh, I want to go to Robert Hyde, who's running for. Congress in Connecticut. Robert, how are you? I'm good, Rory. How are you, sir? Doing very well. What's new? What's going on? So can you hear me clearly, or do you want me to take it off a cup phone? Um, are you on speaker? No, you're on my Bluetooth, on my car phone. Yeah, if you can, if you can take it off car phone, because I can hear the car a little bit. Okay, hold on. Is that much better? Much better. So, how's everything, man? What's new? What's the latest? I know you're running a running a great campaign. You're doing you're getting out there. You're doing a lot of big stuff. Uh, tell us. So, I th- I think the next big thing is you're going to see tomorrow. I submitted all my all the requests for the uh, the House Foreign Affairs Committee asked me for. I, I submitted all the stuff they asked me to by five o'clock right. tonight, Eastern Standard right. Time. <clears throat> which wasn't much. It was just a bunch of street shots. I mean, honestly, um, between Igor and a couple, a little bit, and then a little bit of laughs, just asking for stuff, asking for people's numbers that, you know, trying to trying to use me. You could tell now that I know the swap a little bit better. I can navigate it. You could tell that he was just trying to use me for for contacts to the bigger players and stuff like that. But I think what you're going to find out, Roy, is that the swap is quite real, right? So you're going to see tomorrow. Right. Like a huge, like just I think Rudy, somebody, somebody's gonna just drop a bombshell that, that literally, I think you can almost paint me as like the Strucks insurance policy that they were trying and, to frame and, and, me for the stalking of the U.S. ambassador while I was traveling. I had nothing to do with it. There was nothing. There was no stalking. <laughs> so you're gonna see. You're gonna and see Robert, like, I know I could barely hide behind a telephone pole, let alone use my cell right. phone. So, so to to to. Uh, you're going to see, like, I think that's what you're going to say. Go ahead. Well, again, I was going to tell you, for people that don't know, uh, you were all over the headline news last week on every single outlet, CNN, The Hill, Fox News, <clears throat> Breitbart, everywhere. The, 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 tell everybody what's going on because, I mean, you had the FBI trying to be after you. I mean, the Democrats are crazy. These people are nuts, and they're so delusional. Tell everybody what happened, though. I read the story. I couldn't believe it. Well, I first started out with the Kamala Harris tweet. I don't do you remember that one? Where she dropped yeah, her and yeah, yeah. just Google a hide Kamala Harris tweet and just have fun with that if you want. It was just a joke. And she, you know, dropped out of the race. So I had a little fun with it. It was a little colorful and people were like, ah, he's a misogynist. 
So that was my first time in the national and local spotlight, right? And then we got into the, uh, okay, he was spying on the Ukrainian ambassador, <laughs> Maria Ivanovich. So some more fake news and bullshit. So I had to, I literally had to just counter and just try to put out the fires as fast as I could that I'm this innocent guy. I mean, I was just really like, just, you know, somebody was asking me and I, I forwarded it. I didn't really even, you know what I mean? So I think what you're going to see tomorrow is just like some really cool shit that the FBI is really corrupt, right? Our intelligence agencies are corrupt. Adam Schiff is corrupt. And you're going to see that this is all just a giant scam to give Hunter Biden, who was 42 years old, to let him into the Navy, giving him an encrypted cell phone so he could go do these Irene's, these nuclear deals and stop overseas with that phone. So so that nobody, the NSA, nobody can pick up on the trafficking. And I think that's why you always see the president make a huge point. Where's Hunter? Where's Hunter? Where's Hunter? Because you know why? He's the key. That's it. Hunter's the key. That's why he's not paying his child support. He's missing, not showing his face. He's the key, dude. I mean, it's pretty It's pretty obvious. What <clears throat> The only way to get that encrypted phone was to go into the service, right? He's 42 two years old. Who's going to let that guy in the service? Anyways. I think you're going to see some pretty cool shit, and I think you should just look forward to Trump dominating and draining the swamp like he promised us. More promises made. It, yeah. Promises. Count. Yeah, and I, I love it. No, I agree. And, and so, so you were targeted. You I mean, you were targeted at a note. What was Ro- that, Robert, what did, what did you they try to accuse you of? coffee? Who? What? Spying on the, on the U.S. ambassador to the Ukraine. Oh, that's what they accused you of. And you had, you had the FBI and Adam Schiff after you, correct? I mean, I, I still – I think he was talking about me today on the Senate floor is what I was just told at dinner, but I'm, I'm not sure. But, yeah, I, I mean, I was uh, – who? yeah, yeah, they're after me. Yeah, because I read the report, and they said it was like the FBI was coming to ask you a bunch of questions – I, I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, like, you're running for Congress. You're running a great so campaign. So the FBI has my contact info, which is funny, right? They're like, oh, you, they raided his house. Da, 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 da. They didn't raid my house. They, they show, I guess they said they showed up outside as I was pulling away, but I didn't see them. So oh. they have my lawyer's number. My lawyer I fired the other day. They have my number and email. Whatever. I haven't heard anything from the FBI. But the FBI is the one that's corrupt. This is all Peter yeah. Strzok, Andrew McCabe, the leaker of the freaking, I mean, everything, right? You got Comey, Loretta Lynch, Paige Strzok, who else? Ray, yeah. all these oh, corrupt FBI officials. So, I mean, you're going to, I think you're going to see the pyramid scheme of corruption, the untouchables drop, right? Right. So that's right. what I think you're going to see. Right. I, no, absolutely. How do people donate to you? How do people get involved? Um, you know, I know Hide for Congress dot com. Hide for Congress. Perfect. Send Perfect. money quick. Very Follow easy. me online. RF Hyde one. Right? Robert Robert F. Hyde, Hide for Congress. On Facebook, right? Congressman Hyde twenty twenty. On Instagram. I Perfect. I'm probably gonna change that up a little bit, who knows? But um yeah, man, let's yeah, definitely drive up some donations if you can. Absolutely, and um, I was also going to ask you, what do you got coming up? You got anything planned coming up? No, I mean, I just to take a chance. We were going to, we literally were just starting to, to, to 
develop a plan to do the fundraising and events and cool events and stuff like that. We got a, we got a, like a tentacle out there. We're reaching out to like general Mattis to see if he'll come do like a dinner book signing. Um, Cause I'm a Marine. I think you know that, right? I went to Iraq in 2003. So of course, yeah. it'd be an honor to host general Mattis anywhere and do a book signing. And I think we can maybe coordinate that. I hear he's back out on the West coast. So it's, I don't know. We're, we, that was pretty much as far as I got. We got Corey Lewandowski and I went back and forth a couple times a month ago. Um, so maybe we could drum up some stuff there. I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody's just playing it safe right now with what they could do with for me because nobody wants to be right. tied if I'm, you know, guilty, but I'm not guilty. So, I mean, once I come out of this thing, I think I'll be able to play some of the, some of the cool games and some of the cool events with uh, some of the big players and people in the game. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for you, man. And uh, I definitely, um, yeah, let, let's definitely, uh, you know, talk, talk very soon. I want to get you back on here regularly. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I think what you're, what you're doing is amazing. I, you know, we need people like you in office and um, I can't wait for you to be cleared on all this crap. Thank you, Roy. Absolutely. My friend. Well, everybody, hey, everybody, should, everybody should Google. Are you on commercial or no? No, I'm going to go to commercial here in a second, but go ahead. So everybody should Google Hyde Como and look at, watch the video from last yesterday when I went on to CNN Live with Como primetime. <laughs> you guys are going to be like, whoa. It's like a 10-minute clip. You guys are going to be like, and that's, by the way, that's my third appearance ever on TV. First time national, first time live news. First CNN, which is the anti-Trump channel, Right. Right. Like news Network, Communist News Network. I mean, Andrew yeah. McCabe literally walked behind me, shook my hand, and I'm like, oh, my God. You know, I'm like, I, I asked the producer, I'm like, where's the germ killer? Like, I just literally, <laughs> kidding me? Oh, it was uh, disgusting, buddy. So I literally like, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Are we done? No, I'm here. I'm here. Okay, yeah. So no, everybody should check out that Hyde Como and you'll have fun with that video. Have you seen it, Larry? Absolutely. I'm going to go watch it. Now that you told me, I'm going to go watch, watch it. Watch the whole thing. CNN, but now that you very, told me. Watch to the yes. very end. The very end is the best part. The very end, you're going to be like, oh, my no, God. No, I will. The best thing. With the Michael Jackson reference, you're going to be like, oh, yeah. And then <laughs> let me know. Text me what you think. All right, buddy, for sure. We'll talk to you soon. God bless you, Robert. You too, Robert. Thank you. All righty. Uh, well, stay with us, everybody. We're going to commercial. We'll be right back. And we'll be right back with Peggy Grande, who used to work for Ronald Reagan. Very excited to talk to her. TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love, like chicken, shrimp, and cheese, just got even hotter. With new delicious tastes like whiskey, flat iron steak, and the tastiest sizzling street noodles. Hurry in. Now starting at only $10. We bring the sizzle like no other. New sizzling entrees starting at $10. TGI Friday's. The home of Endless Apps. Endless Apps every night, 9 p.m. to close. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. 
Uh, please visit our website, getyourappbuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from The Rory Sodder Show. Please visit thedonaldjtrumpstore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit thedonaldjtrumpstore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you. She's still the one for you. And Cialis for daily use helps you be ready anytime the moment is right. Cialis is also the only daily ED tablet approved to treat symptoms of BPH, like needing to go frequently. Tell your doctor about all your medical conditions and medicines and ask if your heart is healthy enough for sex. Do not take Cialis if you take nitrates for chest pain as it may cause an unsafe drop in blood pressure. Do not drink alcohol in excess. Side effects may include headache, upset stomach, delayed backache, or muscle ache. To avoid long-term injury, get medical help right away for an erection lasting more than four hours. If you have any sudden decrease or loss in hearing or vision or any allergic reactions like rash, hives, swelling of the lips, tongue, or throat, or difficulty breathing or swallowing, stop taking Cialis and get medical help right away. Ask your doctor about Cialis for daily use and a free 30-tablet trial. Packaging. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. I tried cold turkey. I tried the patch. They didn't work for me. I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit. When you try to quit smoking, with or without Chantix, you may have nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Some people had changes in behavior or thinking, aggression, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, or suicidal thoughts or actions with Chantix. Serious side effects may include seizures, new or worse heart or blood vessel problems, sleepwalking, or allergic and skin reactions, which can be life-threatening. Stop Chantix and get help right away if you have any of these. Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me. Talk to your doctor about Chantix. And we are back, the Rory Sodder Show, coast-to-coast, worldwide, listened to in 25 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. Everybody, it's a beautiful night. I do want to welcome the show. I believe she's with us. We have former executive assistant to Ronald Reagan, Penny Grande. Penny, how are you? Hi, good. How are you? Thank you for having me on your show tonight. Absolutely. Peggy, uh, your first time on. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Um, you You have quite the resume. Well, I consider myself to be one of the luckiest women in the world. I had the opportunity of a lifetime to serve Ronald Reagan as his executive assistant post-presidency. So after he left the White House, he came to L.A., and I sat right outside his office door every day for 10 years and just consider it a front row seat to history and to have an opportunity not only to interact with this man every day, but to interact with the people he interacted with, everybody from Gorbachev to Mother Teresa to Margaret Thatcher, um, just to name a few, it really was just kind of a pinch me moment. You know, I look back at my pictures and think, did I, did that really happen? <laughs> but to have the honor of serving him in that way for so many years was truly a wonderful opportunity. 
it has it has to be surreal. I mean, I I can't even imagine and and just like and what what what's it like like the day to day operations? I mean, you were the assistant to the president of the United States. I mean, just like that's a dream job. <laughs> Absolutely. Now it wasn't an easy job. I'll tell you that because he left the White House, and of course he had hundreds of people who worked for him. And when he left in post presidency, he just had a handful of us that worked for him. And certainly we wanted to maintain the level of service that he was used to and maintain the level of professionalism. And so it was a big challenge, but one that I tried very hard every day to live up to the legacy and the life that he had built. And so, um, but he made it tremendously easy. He was wonderful to work for. He had that same charm and charisma that everybody saw from the outside. That's actually who he was um, when you got to interact with him behind the scenes. And it was really special to see him interact with everybody from ordinary, everyday patriotic Americans to world leaders and everything in between and to see how he treated people with such kindness and warmth and respect, regardless of who they were, what their title was, um, how important others might think they were. Uh, He treated everybody with an equal respect and made sure that their visit to the office was memorable. Absolutely. And what's, you know, what, what is it like? I mean, in terms of like, like, what are your duties like, and what are, what do you, what's on the schedule? Like, like, what does a normal day look like being an assistant, assistant to the president? Like you bring him food, you take his doctor notes, you, you book his appointments, like what, what kind of stuff? Well, he was pretty remarkable because, as we know, before Donald Trump, he was the oldest president to have served. And so when he left office, he was already quite elderly. And every president, it's not really prescribed exactly what they're supposed to do with their post-presidency, but we see a wide variety of them do things differently and choose to invest in different causes. Certainly, it depends on how old they are when they leave office, how much they're able to travel and how much they're able to do. But here I watched a man who, in his very elderly years, Still, still chose to be appropriately involved in the dialogues of the day. He spoke out on several issues of importance to him. He traveled quite a bit. He obviously supported the party. Um, he was supportive of his vice president, who became president, George Bush, without backseat driving his presidency, and maintained a very open-door policy where people got to come to his office. And it was especially remarkable to see post-presidency the people that came from all over the world. And so here was a man who could do nothing for them anymore politically and yet they had a personal relationship and a friendship with him that they wanted to continue and so we did see world leaders from all over the globe come to visit him to continue that friendship that had some of them had established during office and some had been established years before and so when there was no diplomatic or protocol reason to do it they still came because they admired him respected him and had a friendship with him they wanted to continue and how how many staff how many staff in the White House at once? I'm I'm guessing probably hundreds, right? I mean, and in the White House, of course, he had endless number of people. If you look at the whole um, government, obviously at his disposal. But post presidency, when I started working for him, there was maybe about a dozen of us that worked in the office. And ten years later, uh, when I like to say I retired, <laughs> you know, I was in my 30s and I retired from government service. 
um, I think there was maybe five or six of us that still worked in the office. But here was a man who continued to keep a very robust schedule. He met with visitors. He traveled quite a bit. Um, he wrote a lot. He did a lot of speeches, made a lot of public service announcements, and received a lot of visitors. So still stayed very active even into those later post-presidency years. And I talk extensively about this in my book, The President Will See You Now, because I wanted to show yeah. that a lot of people think he left office, he got Alzheimer's, he died. But what they don't realize is there was 15 years in there. And so the first five years were incredibly active, and he was engaged still on the world stage and definitely domestically. Um, and then even those next five years after he announced to the world that he had Alzheimer's, he continued to come to the office almost every day. So it was the world was saying goodbye to him. I was still saying good morning to him every day for the next five years. So he really was a great example of living a full life as best as you can, as long as you can, all the way to the end, and certainly inspired me in that as well as so many other ways. I love it. I love it. And, and what was the interaction like? Like when you guys are, you know, going back and forth and talking to each other, I'm sure you guys told each other so many different stories. I'm sure he, I mean, he lived <laughs> He lived a life like no other. I mean, he probably told some of the greatest. Uh, you probably have great moments that you'll you'll cherish forever with him, right? Absolutely. And he was a tremendous storyteller. He always says that he got the gift of gab from his dad, who was an Irishman. And so he used to love to tell Irish jokes. And be, he was a terrific storyteller. And when people would come to the office, of course, he kind of had his favorite go-to stories like we all do. But he inevitably would pull one out sometimes with a visitor. And I think, in 10 years, I have never heard that story. And his repertoire was endless of poetry he could quote and people he could quote and stories he could tell. And, of course, he did it with the masterful timing of an actor, as only he could do. And so as much as there was that warmth and that familiarity and that sense of, you know, trust between the two of us, there certainly was that formality. I never forgot my place. I never forgot that he had been president of the United States and that I was the luckiest woman in the world to have an opportunity to serve him. And so as warm and charming as he was, um, I was always very mindful of who he was and what he had done and wanted to live up to the high expectations he had of me and everyone around him who served him. And he treated, from what I understand, he, he's very—he's a very personable kind of guy, and he treated all his staff like family, and and he really—he really cares. He's like our—he's like our current president. He really—he really cares about the people, and he, you know, from what I know of Reagan, he—he's he, just like Trump in, in other in, in many ways. In another way, he's like Trump is when he's talking to you, he—he he makes it about you. You know, he makes—he makes it makes you feel like you're special, you're important, and doesn't, you know, doesn't really kind of put the focus on himself. Absolutely. You know, he didn't like to really look back and talk a lot about what he had done or who he was. He always was very mindful of his audience and very attentive to anybody who was in his office or that he was meeting with sometimes. And there was, of course, this, this kindness and this authenticity to him, but at the same time, we know this is a man of incredible fortitude and strength. And I guess especially yeah. as a young person, because I started working for him when I was very young, as a young person, I guess I thought you had to decide. <laughs> you know, there's two paths in life. You can be strong and successful, or you can be a kind, good person. <laughs> and I guess I didn't understand when I was young that you could actually do both. And so 
Here's Ronald Reagan, who stands on the world stage, challenges Gorbachev to tear down the wall against the advice of his own State Department and his advisors. He does it. Thank God he does, because the world has seen freedom in places that otherwise never would have known it. And so this was a man of strength and fortitude. But also in that same man was this beautiful humanity and this ability to connect with individuals on a personal level. And even with Gorbachev, as much as he was confrontational with him at the wall, he backed him into a corner economically and with this arms race, but then eventually gave him a gracious exit and allowed him to save face with his people and to do the right thing. And so what a beautiful example he was of that strength and that fortitude and that unwavering principle. And yet at the same time to have this beautiful humanity and that example um, that he showed us both on the world stage as well as privately behind the scenes. Very nice. I love it. I love it. So, you know, a lot of people say there's so many similarities between Trump and, and Reagan. I'm sure you see it, right? Just kind of the similar styles, kind of a similar, similar agenda, kind of in, in certain ways, I guess a similar personality as well, you know, Reagan was tough, too, and, uh, you know, Reagan was down to earth. You know, Trump is tough. Trump's down to earth. Reagan was funny. Trump's funny. I think, I think they have a lot in common. Well, they certainly have their differences, but, of course, there's some elements that are very similar. You know, do you remember Ronald Reagan was not the establishment's choice in 1976? And even in 1980, when he ran for president, the establishment wanted George Bush. And so he was seen as this joke, as this cowboy actor, which, of course, discounts the fact that he was governor of the state of California for eight years, which is the fifth or sixth largest economy in the world. So I don't know how they skip from actor to president, but they do. Um, But here's a man that was kind of dismissed as a warmonger. People were afraid he was going to start World War III. And so the establishment was very anti-Ronald Reagan. And, of course, now they look back, pat themselves on the back, and say how brilliant they were to pick Ronald Reagan to be president. But, of course, we saw quite the same happen with Donald Trump. We also saw this beautiful reinforcement of something Ronald Reagan used to always say. You know, in our country – The government doesn't tell the people what to do. We, the people, tell the government what to do. And so even though all the elites, all the media was against Ronald Reagan and certainly against Donald Trump in 2016, we see that we, the people, went to the ballot box and that we, the people, still can make our voice heard. And that is the great equalizer, Election Day. And we're going to see the same thing happen in 2020. And so Ronald Reagan, Donald Trump both had this great ability to connect directly to people Ronald Reagan did it through his weekly radio addresses that he did. He would go into the Oval Office. He would look into the camera, come into your living room on one of your three television channels um, and speak right to you. And you felt like he was connecting with you, that he heard you, that he cared about you, that he was speaking directly to you and what you were experiencing. And Donald Trump has that same way of doing it, bypassing the media, going directly to the people. And the people appreciate that. They see that. They notice that. And they respond to that. And I believe just like we saw Ronald Reagan reelected overwhelmingly in 1984, we're going to see the same thing with Donald Trump in November of 
Rory. Oh, I'm, I'm here. Jesus, my, my microphone was on mute. That's weird. That's crazy. Because <laughs> when, when the guest, ta- when the guest is sorry, talking. I thought that we might have been dropped. <laughs> no, when the guest is talking, I like to put my microphone on mute just so there's no noise in the background. But uh, as I was saying, though, um, you were talking about how Ronald Reagan is really great with talking to us like we're human beings, really connecting with us, really making, we, making us feel like we belong, rather than a polished politician. And we see how Trump is just like Reagan in that sense, where Reagan and Trump treat us like human beings, and with all the mainstream media fake stuff out there, you have Trump giving us the news and, and you know, communicating with us on his Twitter, being authentic, being genuine, saying what's really, what, what the real truth is. And I'm wondering... It's such a useful tool in so many ways. It's so beneficial to have a Twitter account, you know, like Trump does, where you can bypass and basically uh, debunk everything that the, the corrupt uh, news is saying about, about the administration. What I'm wondering is, do you think Reagan would have been on Twitter if it would have been around in the 80s? Do you think he would have used that as a direct form of communication like Trump does? Oh, absolutely, he would have been on Twitter. And wouldn't you have loved to have followed his Twitter feed? I mean, he already was the king of one-liners and just had these wonderful little soundbite quips. And so I would have loved to have followed him on Twitter. You know, he always said you never – you never talk above people or beneath people. You talk directly to them. And so he had a beautiful way of doing that. He absolutely would have been on Twitter because it's where young people are as well. And as old as he was, he had a tremendous following and support with young people who came out, especially in droves in 1984, to support him. He always was forward-looking rather than looking back. He would always say America's best days are yet ahead. Um, always believed in the future and, you know, in a small way, even selecting a very young woman to serve him in the capacity that I did, it was saying it's okay to invest in the future, to take a chance on somebody who's young and maybe doesn't have as much experience, but is certainly willing to put in the effort and is loyal and um, trustworthy and will have my best interests at heart. And so I always appreciated the trust and the faith he put in me, maybe even before I had completely deserved it when I was very young and inexperienced, um, but certainly grew into the role and we grew into a wonderful working relationship together over the course of the decade i love it i love it so so cool i mean what a, what a, what an experience what a uh what a great uh great memory and i i want to so i want to kind of switch topics a little bit um so you live in california and i talk about on my show all the time the problems in california i mean it's just it's the worst in the country and we see how the radical left gets a lot of their ideas from places like California, like it will, like there'll be legislation that starts in California, and then you'll see a lot of these other radical governors around the country, or or senators, or Congress, whatever, whatever it may be, to, you know, co- copy, copy what they're. And, and here, here's what's really scary: California used to be, I would say, a more mod, you know, it was moderate. It was never full on Republican, but it was moderate for sure. You've had people like Reagan run it. You've had Arnold. Um, just in the recent years, in my strong opinion, it's gone the socialism route, because I remember California for the longest time being a, such a desirable place, such a, such a place that everybody was excited to go visit. And now when you mention California to a, a logical voter and somebody that loves America, they're like, eh, California, 
so I'm wondering, I'm wondering what, how do you fit, how do we fix the problems there? I mean, Newsom's a disaster. The homelessness is out of control. You know, the taxes, middle class is leaving. Um, it just, it goes on and on. And, and it's like, I've always said, you know, California is turning into a situation where it's going to be either elites or completely poor. There's going to be no in between. It's pretty much they, they've lost. They've lost on that. On, on that. In that situation, they really have. And I'm just seeing all the illegals. And I, I, when does it end? When does it end? Yeah. Well, we have to make changes in Sacramento, and we've had a super majority up there of Democrats for years. And so all of the problems that California is exhibiting hang around the necks of the legislature in Sacramento. There's no other place to point fingers. And so we are the tip of the spear. We are the genesis of all bad ideas. <laughs> they come out of California. I'm so sorry. I not only live here in LA, I actually live in Adam Schiff's district. And so you talk about people that are unhappy and there's this very not so silent anymore um, minority kind of bubbling up here in California who are seeing what's happening and know who the blame and where it belongs. Um, you know, we have a really interesting dynamic in California. So, you know, working for Ronald Reagan, you can't help but be optimistic. And so as much as we look at all the problems and the dire situation, I look at a really interesting dynamic we have here in California, which I think provides a golden lane of opportunity, which is, if you look at California, most people would think that, oh, 75 or 80 percent of the state must be registered Democrats, when actually it's only about 40 or 42 percent are registered Democrats. So then you have your independents and those who decline to state a party, which you're allowed to do here in California, and that's actually the second largest voting block. And your Republicans in California are your third largest voting bloc. So that big group in the middle, to me, yes, they haven't chosen to register as Republicans, but there was also something that prevented them from registering and aligning themselves with the Democratic Party. So I think the lane of opportunity here in California is to be fiscally responsible, socially neutral, and appeal to that middle group of those who are independents, those who have not identified with the Democratic Party, and bring some common sense back to California. You know, common sense is not common here anymore, and everything we see happening does not make sense on paper. The math doesn't add up. It makes no sense to be punishing the energy sector here in California to try to drive the oil business out of business. Um, they're the very backbone of so much of who California is. So there's no common sense here, but I think if we get some candidates who can find that lane of opportunity there in the middle, maybe we can talk some common sense back to them. And by the way, I love what the president has done. He basically said to Gavin Newsom, by the way, if you can't get your act together and you can't fix this homeless problem, well, maybe the feds will come in and fix it. And there's nothing that makes Gavin Newsom more angry than that. So those of us who are conservatives in California, uh, we kind of love seeing the president troll our governor just a little bit. <laughs> I hear you. No, I, I hear you. Amen. Amen. Um, but I, I love talking to you, Peggy. I could talk to you all day. But tell everybody, I want to get you back soon. Uh, tell everybody where they can connect with you, where they can get your book, all that good stuff. Yeah, so my book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere books are sold, hardback, paperback. 
ebook, audiobook, which I actually read. Um, my latest project has been as the chair of World for Brexit. And so it's a global coalition of thought leaders, politicians, business owners who have been standing in defense of um, democracy there in the UK. So I'll be over in London this week um, celebrating their big leave date on January 31st. And so if people want more information on that, they can go to w4b.world, world for Brexit, w4b.world and join people from all over the world who are standing in support of democracy. We know that um, just because their Brexit is going to happen on January 31st, we know the EU and the Remainers are not going to let them go quietly or easily. And so we need to be vigilant and watching that take place and also remind our, our allies in the UK that there's a whole world of trading partners out there just waiting for them to leave. And so we look forward to seeing a huge economic boom take place in the UK once they leave the confines of the EU. And that will start taking place very soon. Amen. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on and we'll talk to you soon. God bless, Peggy. Thank you for having me on. Good night. Absolutely. Take care. Um, I'd all, I would like to introduce to the show. I believe he's with us right now. We have radio talk show host Jim Price. Jim, what's going on, buddy? Welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you having me on. It's uh, it's been a good week. Looks like uh, we still got shift up there in the House or in the Senate, doing his usual lying. But uh, I can only watch about ten minutes at a time of that man talking. But things are going Dude. good. I think we're gonna I think we're gonna get out of this alive. Yeah, man, you're not the only one, buddy. I. I... Dude, I turned it on for a few minutes today, and all it is is repeats. I mean, they say the same shit yeah. over and over. I'm just yeah. like, I, I'm getting a headache. I, I just can't listen to it, yeah. and I can't, I can't tolerate the stupidity and the ignorance and the corruption and this partisan witch hunt bullshit hit job. You know what I mean? Oh, exactly. We've we've had a situation where they're allowed to control the narrative, where you know this whole going into the basement, doing it behind closed doors, not releasing the transcripts. Oh, wait, there's a little leak here, a little leak there, and, and controlling this narrative. And, and he's literally they, – they've pointed out that he's literally lied under oath on the Senate floor. Now, isn't that exactly what basically they're trying to say that the Republicans and Trump is doing constantly is lying? But yet factually he's literally lying, and he's allowed to do it. Nobody is – What we don't have the cojones to be able to pull this off to where we go and we say, you have to stop lying. You'll be sanctioned. You'll be pulled off the floor. You'll be taken away as a manager. What is the repercussion for them just blindly, blindly lying to us? And that, But the problem is, is that I guess if you're naive enough to just believe whatever's on the TV, then you're going to go down that road. Or I guess the moral victory of the extreme left, oh, look, I still hate Trump. So what was the real benefit of all this other than spending – Billions of dollars, and te- uh, uh, did you know there's a little known fact that the every single witness in the Trump impeachment was paid a minimum of a hundred thousand dollars in cash plus all expenses? Jesus you know Christ, I'm I'm not surprised. Now, see, there were some of them that made up to three hundred thousand for their appearance plus expenses, and then there's also quote unquote additional appearances. So there's a retainer given. An X amount beyond so that they're on call if needed. So the problem is, is that people don't realize how much Pelosi is really. I, I'm seeing reports from 2.8 to 5 billion dollars that she's appropriated for the for this impeachment. Now think about that. 
she's taken five billion dollars, not five million, but five billion, and she's and even if it was five million, it's still too much. We spent forty-four million on the Mueller report, and we got what for it? We all realize we still love Trump. We all still realize that we've got to get a better set of congressmen in there. We got to quit doing the same old thing over and over again, expecting a different response. We have to not sit on our laurels and our butts this fall because that's what get Demo- that's what gets the Democrats elected is we bother as conservatives to sit at home on our thumbs and do nothing. Yeah, and we're seeing, you know, like I talked about earlier in my show, you know, there's keeps more and more stuff keeps coming out about Hunter Biden. You know, now they're saying right. that he's gonna have to turn over his financial docs. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, that was ordered out this week okay. that he has to show up in court in Arkansas for the 18-month-old child. So he has yeah. to physically show up now because he screwed around and the judge got mad at him, so he has to show up. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it, this guy's a. I mean, what a dumbass! I mean, it, it's just like this, right. it's such a reckless. Well, you had the golden goose. You bothered to kill it. Think about that. He, he had the golden goose. He had all this, but he went too far. He reached too far. You know, it's the idea. Well, who is the uh, mythical character that you know, had the wax on his wings but flew too close to the sun? I mean, he was—he had all this. Live within, live within your million-dollar means, brother, and don't blow all this money on, I guess, uh, uh, pole dancers. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I'm not making that up. He literally did, and that's what he got pregnant. But I guess he's got another child on the way. On top of it, a girl in Florida. Have you not heard about this? He's got another paternity coming um, up. Oh, so there's two. So he has a wife, and then she just had a kid, or she is having a kid, and then there's two other. Well, he's got the one in Arkansas. I guess yeah. the <laughs> the wife of his dead brother. Is that right, or is this his original wife? No, they were together. Then they broke up. Then he had a, he has a new wife now. Oh well, I can't keep all of this uh, trailer park stuff straight <laughs> I know, here. Right? I mean, it's I gotta, like, what kind of sick I mean, family is this? <laughs> And it, and it couldn't have been worse timing. I'm like, what? I mean, daddy, oh. daddy's running for, for office. Well, you know, probably, I'm not going to say for sure, but he has a good chance of getting the nominee. I, I think they're going to probably right. give it to him because they don't want a Bernie Sanders. Um, right. Especially the, right. the establishment doesn't want that. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. I, it's yeah. just like, wow. Like, wow, Hunter Biden, I mean, dude. The worst time yeah, possible. Yeah, stop. Yeah. And all this, <laughs> Pump the brakes woman, a little bit, buddy. Go away. Well, you know, yeah. though, that here, oh. remember this. As much as we yeah. don't like the Ukraine call, or we don't like the fact that they're going, you know, they don't want to hear about Biden or whatever it is, all these different things are going on in the media. Remember the Ukraine call. Do you realize, and I want everybody to think about this for just one second, you do understand that Trump wanted them to go after the Ukraine call. Because remember, he moved it from the standard security clearance that, that shift could get, could get to. That one phone call through a quote-unquote whistleblower, Schiff found out. Well, the problem is is that they had that plant in there. They wanted to make sure and find out who the plant was. So Trump knew that this conversation may or may not be what it is or whatever, so he moves it over the double-verified top-secret server, which meant that Schiff couldn't get to it because of his security clearances on the security uh, committee. So he couldn't get to it, so he knew he had Trump. Hook, line, sinker, that he got him screwed over. We finally got Trump because he moved over the double verified, so that means he's hiding something. Nancy Pelosi gets up there. Oh, on bended knee before the Lord I've prayed. Oh, what shall I ever do? Tell me now. 
I got to impeach him. So she says that at 5 o'clock Eastern time, and the next morning Trump releases the entire transcripts unredacted. He did that to expose the Bidens, to expose the corruption, to expose Hillary. Everybody has to be spoon-fed what's really going on. And if day one, if he would have went in there and indicted Hillary, which she should have been done day one when he went to president, became president, we have to do it slowly because if you do it the first day, she's a martyr. You have to do it a little at a time and a little at a time with the American public. Even though we're pretty smart about most things, it takes us too long to digest it. So at the end of the day, I think Trump honestly put this out there to expose the hypocrisy that the Dems have been doing for so long behind our backs by, oh, it's social justice and with equality for all and all this other crap. But he's exposing their pay to play. It's it's right. amazing no. to watch him, but if you hold your don't don't get so wound up in the impeachment and understand that he yeah. wanted the call to be exposed. And you know what's amazing is the more we find out every single day, more and more stuff gets revealed. We just found out Joe Biden's brother, with no prior experience, got one point oh, five yes. billion with a B in government yeah. contracts. Jesus yeah. Christ! Yeah, I mean it's it's like me going and saying I'm a brain surgeon. You know, I'm a doctor just because I bought a badge that says I'm a doctor. I mean, it doesn't like these people just line up for the handouts. And I'm gonna tell you right now, though, think about this. This is at the federal government level, where the the old cronies, the swamp, the the people that have been doing this for decades through several presidents. And I know that even I, I know we have some compromised presidents that ha- haven't been the best what they should have been, even on the right. But the idea that this pay-to-play goes on at the local level across. Every single state in this country, and if people aren't paying attention to their local government, their city council, their DAs, their police departments, their county commissioners, their state legislators, they've got to be paying attention. You've got to be more vigilant and looking at the numbers and watching who pays who, who really gets contributions, who really gets the contracts when those contributions are given out. Pay attention because… This stuff that Trump is exposing that the Democrats have been doing for at least 30 to 40 years that I can track back to, this has been right. going on for so long it's normalized. It's what you do with how governments ran, but we the people have got to wake up. Trump is giving us the best eye-opening example of what is really going on. It's our responsibility to act upon that, make something of this, make a different world going forward where we have the truth and the respect of the offices that we actually elect these people to. Uh, very well said, Jim. Right on point. Uh, you know, I, I could, I could, I could talk to you forever. I want to make you a regular on this show. I want you to be on with us weekly. Um, I do got to close yes. out though now, but uh, let's yes. get you on. Let's get you back on next week, um, and let's have okay. you on the panel uh, as a regular guest. But tell everybody where they can find you, where they can connect with you. I know you got your own radio show, all that good stuff. Um, it's uh, look on Facebook, uh, the Jim Price Show. It's real okay. easy. Look in Facebook, the Jim Price Show. Twitter is Jim Price eight nine. Um, also on, uh, go to YouTube. I got my YouTube videos up there, or you can go to iTunes and put in the Jim Price Show. And, you know, put it all in there, the Jim Price Show. It'll come up. Uh, YouTube, uh, iTunes, Facebook, and Twitter. Those are the, really the best platforms to catch my the show. Uh, comment. I will respond to you. I respond personally to all my listeners. Um, if you have input, you uh, you could come on the show. You can do things and be interactive uh, with me. And the, that's the best platform. Platforms are 
Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and iTunes. Sounds good, my friend. Well, uh, I, I love having you on. We're going to get you on as a regular. Uh, stay with us till the show's yeah. over if you want. Uh, we only got about eight Very minutes good. left, but uh, really, really great stuff tonight. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Hey, and God bless America, guys. Get out there and vote. Do not sit on your laurels because that is the difference. That's where victory comes is when we get out there and do our job. Absolutely, 100%. Um, let's, go to, let's, let's go to Mike Peters in New York. Mike, go ahead. Fantastic show tonight. Again, as usual, Rory, outstanding. I mean, the, the only one that I was really worried about is the gentleman that's running for office in Connecticut because of the amount of uh, Republicans and conservatives that have left Connecticut. Uh, I know myself, being here from New York, I was in touch with many gun owners, many people that were concerned about their Second Amendment rights that left the state because of this. So I hope he gets the support that he, he deserves and needs. And I'm just worried about how many of us are left in some of these states because many have just walked out. They've abandoned the states and they've moved to other states where they do have the freedom uh, because they're being outnumbered. And, and uh, it's, it's not easy today. So anyways, I wish him luck, and, and thank you for having me on again. Absolutely. Did you have any other thoughts on any other talking points? No, that was it. Just wanted to bring that up and and just thank you again. Talk to you soon. Absolutely. Absolutely, 100%. Um, Josh, I'll go to you. Um, I, I know you probably have some closing statements, some closing thoughts. Go ahead. Yeah, that's, that's tough to follow up. Uh, with somebody who works for uh, President Reagan, you know, that's a tough one to follow up. So, uh, but, you know, there's, like, like I said, you know, the people have to understand that we, we, it's up to us to take our country back. It's up to us to, as, as uh, politicians to go out and do the right thing and do what's right yeah. and just and follow the constitution. And it's really that simple when you look at it, you know, all said and done, you know, put special interests aside, and, and do things for the right reason. We have too many people not doing that, and that's the problem, and that's why, that's why we are where we are right now. You know, So um, take a look at your candidates, wherever you're in the country, evaluate them, see who's running for the right reason, see who's not accepting money from certain, I guess, special interest groups or nonprofits like uh, Soros, for example, you know, and Planned Parenthood and places like that. And just really look and vet, vet your people, you know. And um, I think when you do, you'll clearly see uh, who's the right choice. And um, and like I said, we can keep making this country great and put people in place for the future. Because Trump's not going to be here forever. So we have, we have to get policies and plans in place. So I want to thank you for having me on again. I appreciate it. And it's always always a good time listening to everybody and hearing their thoughts. And, uh, and like I said, you know, God bless America, and thank you very much. Yeah, and tell everybody where they can connect with you and get involved with your campaign. Sure. You can reach me at uh, barnettforaz.com. Also, I'm at barnettforaz on Twitter and Instagram, and Josh Barnett for Congress on Facebook. Reach out anytime. Email me. You can hit me directly to there. You can donate directly to the website. Um, but we're always, I'm always looking for um, you know, people to come on board and help out and uh, help me get the message out to the people of Congressional District 7 here in Arizona. Absolutely, my friend. Real, always a pleasure having you with us. Thank you. Thank you, Roy. Have a good night. Um, let's go to uh, Tim. I'll give you the last word. 
Yeah, thank you. Thank you again. Great show. And I have to say, you always have great guests. I love hearing Josh Barnett on here. Uh, Jim Price, great guy. Been on the show. Uh, love his program as well. Uh, working with Reagan, that was awesome to hear, hear somebody that, uh, you know, got to live through that. Earlier in the show, I was talking about, you know, growing up, seeing Reagan and not really understanding, uh, you know, what we were living through. So uh, I got to live vicariously through the people who were a little bit older at that time. So um, I just want to leave everybody to remember, you know, we're, we're not just Republicans versus Democrats. We are a country that is divided on purpose by people like Soros. You have the anti-Americans and then you have the Americans. And that's, the, that's what everybody has to remember going into this, this election and, and, and the elections to come after that. It's, do you want the country that was founded for us, or are you going to let something else take uh, take over? Um, a few things uh, just about me. Uh, I'll, I'll end that with with that. Uh, while we were on the show, my team sent out a message to me that there are seven Republicans running in my race, and I finished in a the latest poll with 53 percent of the vote. So we are on our way um, to to taking this primary, which is April 28th. And uh, we, we still need support, though. Uh, you know, it's, it, this, is, this is the race that's going to flip the house. So you can find me at timfazenbaker.com uh, on Facebook, Fazenbaker for Congress, and Twitter. I am America, America One Tim Faze. As always, American Kids First, and thank you very much, Lori. Absolutely, my friend. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody, it's been a it's been a great show tonight. Uh, I want to thank you all. Uh, we have big shows coming next week, and uh, I will, as always, be on the air Saturday, KFNX AM Radio, 7 p.m. Eastern. Catch me there. And as well as next week, we'll be on Tuesday and Thursday, um, 9 p.m. Eastern to 11 p.m. Eastern. Um, but, yeah, guys, I, I hope you all have a fantastic weekend. I hope it goes well. I hope it's fun. I hope it uh, is a, goes accordingly. And um, I will have announcements uh, either on Saturday or next week, so stay stay tuned for that. Um, yeah, I mean, what a what a uh, what an accomplishment! We just did episode 235, two years later, and the Rory Sodder is evolving more than ever before, and growing growing bigger and bigger. But on that note, I will be signing off. I'm Rory Sodder, mega, mega, mega. God bless everybody. Much love. Cheers.